time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. It's Wednesday, jump day, pump day, hump day. I'm actually feeling a little tired today, Paul. What? So I'm waiting for your energy to inspire me. Oh, I'm bringing to a higher level. I'm bringing the energy this morning. I'm, I'm feeling good. It's uh, the skies, Peter. The skies. The skies over the past, I think, has been like three days. Could yeah. they not stay like that forever? Because I oh. swear it affects my mood so much. I know. I like you. I finished. I had a gig until 5 p.m. Uh-huh. yesterday, south yeah. of the river. Took a taxi home because it wasn't too far. Okay. As we went over the bridge, yeah, it wasn't dark yet. I didn't uh-huh. see the portal to <laughs> hell. Um, but the, the the clouds were just so beautiful, and it reminds me: these are the clouds we get in September. Uh, Every yes. autumn in Korea, the skies have, are high and the horses get fat. Thing, yeah, yeah. the beautiful <laughs> September skies, and it felt like September had come through. Yes, um, into June. So I, I'm I'm so happy too. I just wish it could be like that all the time. And I, think it's too much to ask for cleans like air and skies and the buildings of yoido when it's this clear and it becomes twilight you know yeah. you've got the golden yuksun 63 building they just shine all that much more soul is a lot more prettier yes. with with clear beautiful cloudy skies absolutely uh today's book paul it's a interesting title that i previewed earlier slow bullet uh yeah the korean title is a little bit different it's Slow bullet. <laughs> There's one extra syllable in slow there, but yeah. it is English just spelt out in Korean, and that yeah. was the original uh, title. And there's a good reason for it that oh. we'll get to as we go through the story. Okay. Um, this past Monday was an important day here in Korea. Mm. Uh, the 6th of June is Hyungchungil. It's Memorial Day. I'm sure yeah. you talked about it on the show. Absolutely. Um, and it's an important time to remember those who sacrificed their lives, who gave their lives to protect Korea and allow us to live here mm. in 2022 in freedom and democracy. Absolutely. But what about those who don't die? What okay. are the, those who serve in the wars, who survive but are never the same again? And this is what this book deals with. It's by Yi Dehuan. It's translated by Jun Sung Hee. And we meet a man, Ik Su, and his family. And they've all been affected by his time serving in the Vietnam War. Oh. And there are families suffering together. And the other thing that those outside of Korea may not know, a lot of soldiers from Korea went to Vietnam during the Vietnam War. They served there. Absolutely. Uh, like, um, I think, helping out the American forces, obviously. My father-in-law was one of them. And he, he doesn't talk about it in too much detail. But what he does say about it was he was one of the lucky ones who didn't have to deal with too many of the horrors and traumas up close and personal. Yeah. There are obviously different units dealing with different things at different times in the war. But you're right, many... war veterans from Vietnam and they do receive some great benefits like the country treats the war vets very well here in Korea and you might think well if you didn't die then you're one of the lucky ones but I guess there is more understanding these days that so many people come back traumatized and it can be like almost a living hell yeah not just emotional trauma but also physical trauma and Mm. that's what we're going to be dealing with in this story oh wow okay tell us a little bit about the author have we featured Ido Han no it's our first time featuring him and in fact I think this is the only English translation we have of his work which is a bit of a shame because it's a really good book 
Um, he was born in 1958 in Pohang in Gyeongsangbuk-do province. Um, he made his debut in 98, 1980 when he won the International Pen Career Center Novel Contest, won another contest in 1989. He's written several novels, several collections of short stories, also several biographies. Oh, He's nice. a, quite a diverse writer in terms of going here, there and everywhere. Um, and so, yes, our first time featuring today, and I think it's a, a really important book for this week. Uh, we've definitely featured the translator more than once. <laughs> uh, yes, Chan s a n g h e e we haven't featured her for a while. Mm. I think it's been, it's been at least six months, oh. maybe, maybe even a year, uh-huh. but we've featured her many, many times. We've had Kong's Garden, Spring Night, Traversing Afternoon, Age of Snowflowers, and many, many others. She's back again. She's a great translator. She she was a fellow at the Korea Institute at Harvard University. She's got PhDs from both Harvard and SNU. And she's based here in Seoul, but also in Boston, where she lectures. And she's translated over 20 works from Korean to English. And she's also translated works from English to Korean as well. And she's always a welcome name on the book. Fantastic. Looking forward to this story today. Great timing after Memorial Day. So where do we pick things up? Uh, we're picking up with a TV reporter who comes to visit the family to interview them, and then the report is broadcast on TV. The family of three, Iksu, Suki, and Youngsop, a junior in high school, gathered in front of the TV set just before 9pm, like students eagerly awaiting the distribution of exams. Ixu's story was the fourth news item. There is a Vietnam War veteran who is suffering from various illnesses as a result of handling defoliants in Vietnam. Reporter. The anchor disappeared. A slender reporter appeared with a microphone in his hand. And then suddenly, there was a middle-aged man wearing a polka-dotted short-sleeve shirt in the centre of a shabby room. A close-up shot of his cheekbones protruding like heels, and his eyes so sunken that heels could fit into them, filled the screen. The face looked so strange to Iksu, watching at some distance from the others while holding his breath, that he wondered who that person was. I wish I weren't watching this. He wanted to jump to the TV set like a frog and turn it off, but he just kept frowning, hard. Even more alarming is that the second generation is also suffering from serious symptoms, which are, doctors suppose, the transmitted after-effects of defoliant usage. Young-ho appeared, lying face down. The reporter who said he was planning to visit the prayer house must have been diligent enough to go there. Young-ho raised his head, probably in response to a request. He looked calm. Iksu closed his eyes. Although he deliberately looked away, he couldn't help hearing. He didn't like the angle of this report. He was disturbed by the focus on the second generation. He was also saddened and angered by the omission of the fact which he had made clear that he handled CS powder even more than the defoliants. Look at him carefully. Iksu was suddenly jolted. His wife was on screen. Her eyes were shining brightly in her salted, dark face. He's a virtual skeleton, practically a dead body, right? A dead body, a useless mouth, you know, a useless mouth, a useless mouth that even death fears and avoids. This is so unjust. She looked about to bite somebody, but she was choking up. 
Hiksu didn't like his wife looking so miserable. He closed his eyes again. He vividly heard the reporter praising his wife who had done the interview on his first try. Her cry will be a great help to all patients suffering from defoliants and their families. Yes, this is the cruelty of war. Welcome to Arirang Radio. If you are in Jeju, 88.7 in Jeju City, 88.1 in Sogipu City, 101.9 in the Daejeong area. Lots of you reacting to that slightly disturbing first reading there from Paul. Uh, Bernie saying, well, it's a great report uh, that was written at the time by the news reporter. Are you feeling that? Because I'm feeling like the guy, the main character, is not happy with the way this report is going. And Mama Wolf Meg saying, what in the world? That reporter doesn't seem very nice and considerate. I get that vibe. From that as well, Meg. Well, reporters are reporters. Um, Silver Granny saying, my brother-in-law suffered a range of ailments due to exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam. I'm so sorry, Silver Granny. That is really awful. And this book, it's dealing with a similar circumstance. So just just saying content warning. Oh. It's talking about those kind of issues. And I, I well, I, my sympathies are with you and your brother-in-law. Yeah, I, I, I remember learning a little bit about Agent Orange, hearing that word in history class and then some of the terrible details. I think more and more come out all the time. Yeah. Uh, and people from Korea who are fighting there affected as well. And I, I, that stood out as well. They're talking about the defoliants, but also the CS powder as well. It seems like there were many chemicals being used without yes. the right precautions and whatnot. So what is going on here? What has happened to his son, who it seems is somewhere else, not, yeah. not at home. And is the wife calling her husband a useless mouth? Yeah. Or, or, or son? What's, yeah, what's no, she's, that's what she describes her husband as. Oh. And the, the terrible truth is he is, he can't do anything. He's oh. not fit to work. He's not fit to do anything. No. And it should be a happy home, but it's been ravaged by the aftermath of him handling these chemical weapons. Oh. So his wife works day after day, working her fingers to the bone to support the family. Mm. Iksu, the husband, is a shadow of his former self. He can't do anything at all now, really. Uh -huh. He's just living, uh. barely. His eldest son, Yongho, is paralyzed from the waist down, and he lives in a religious care home. Oh, and his youngest son, Yongsup, who's in high school, hardly ever sleeps at home. Sleeps oh, no. at his friend's house, and he's got a skin condition that doesn't respond to treatment. Oh, all from his father's... Yeah, all because okay. his father was handling these chemicals. Mm. And uh, the story starts a little bit before we see this report. Okay. We start in the middle of the night, and Iksu needs to go and have a pee. Uh -huh. So he creeps out of the house into the barley field. And he tries not to wake his wife, and he's just feeling awful about himself. Feels useless about his physical condition. Uh -huh. He's like a skeleton, pretty much, with no strength left. Oh. And he also thinks about his son, Young-ho, who's going to come home for a day or two. Okay. He goes back to bed. Uh, he's sorry that he's woken his wife up. And his wife said, no, I was awake anyway. And they mm -hmm. talk. And she's upset, upset with herself that she called him a useless mouth on TV. And she uh -huh. says, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Okay. Um, we then learn about the reporter's visit mm -hmm. and what was broadcast. And that leads Iksu to think back to his time in Vietnam. And we learn that when he first came there, he met Captain Park Munhyun. He was only 22, Iksu. Yeah. 
And he was almost snatched up by another captain who said, you can be a truck driver. Oh. You've driven a taxi before. You can yeah. do this. But Captain Park said, no, you come with me. You're going to be a chemical warfare soldier. Oh. It's the first time Korea's using these kind of weapons. It's big honor. You know, oh. this is glorious for us. That's what it seemed like at for the Korea. time. Okay. Yeah. And then Young Ho arrives the next day. He's delivered by the care home's bus. And the driver tells Iksu that his son has been praying well. Mm. And Iksu basically can't look at him. Doesn't want, it, doesn't want to face the truth that his son is in this wheelchair, wheels him up to the house. Mm. And then we learn of what actually happened. Oh, so there was an incident. It wasn't like this. From there was. Earth. It was two years ago. And Iksu almost died after vomiting a huge amount of blood. Oh. Um, he had to be hospitalized. Uh-huh. And then three days later, suddenly Young Ho, his son, only 22, couldn't move from the waist down. Oh, just suddenly in, yeah, in his 20s. Yeah, and the doctors, doctors couldn't find a cause. He hadn't had a bad back. Just suddenly he's paralyzed. Uh-huh. So now Young Ho's back for a couple of days. He and his father, they don't talk much. And mm. Young Ho's smiling with a weird sort of almost sarcastic, almost beatific smile. It's a bit disturbing. Yeah, Iksu tries to talk with him, but it's just not happening. And then there's a phone call suddenly from Captain Park. Oh, who saw the TV report and says, I'm going to come visit you soon. And Uh we should both go back to Vietnam together. You know, the good times, the good old days. Iksu's really touched by the call. He really respects the captain. And Young Ol starts to talk, asks him about Vietnam. And Iksu tells him several things that happened, several horrific things he witnessed. Mm -hmm. Then Young Ol suddenly starts talking about the Chinese philosopher Zhuangzi. Okay. And... Ixi realizes, oh, you haven't been praying, you've been studying, you've oh, been reading. Okay. And Young was like, it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> But he talks about their family in a roundabout way, using this philosopher about the weakness of their family. And oh. finally, Young spits it out and says he found the TV report offensive. Oh, no. And then Ixi, thinking back to his time in the military, and he thinks back to the work he did with the poisonous powders. And that's where we'll pick up the second reading. The American instructor taught Iksu that he had to always wear a gas mask, raincoat, boots and gloves when handling CS powder. Iksu started out faithfully following these instructions, but he couldn't last longer than five minutes in all that gear. His body seemed on the verge of boiling. Besides, more containers were waiting by the dozens. He had to dispense with the instructions written in English. In heat so intense, he thought he would die even if naked. The military is all about discretion. He had to become a believer in this dictum. He took off his clothes. He was wearing only an undershirt, shorts and boots. One thing he couldn't take off was the gas mask. He couldn't take it off, even if his head would have turned into a boiled pig head on the spot. If he took it off, he would have been suffocated instantly in that airtight space. But he felt strongly tempted whenever he was working with the powder. Luckily, he was able to recite a spell that served like an amulet, making him resist that temptation. I got involved in a war of complete strangers to earn some money. I shouldn't be so crazy as to risk my life pouring poison gas. After about 30 minutes of attentive work, only thinking the sooner he finished the better, Iksu would find that his boots had become slushy inside. Sweat from his entire body was pooling in them, but it didn't seem that big a deal. He could simply take a shower later and drink a lot of water. 
As soon as he finished work, Iksu ran straight to the shower room, like always. Was it because of the sweating, or just the heat generally? No, it was because of his skin. The backs of his hands, his arms, his neck, and his face were swollen and red. It was also very painful. It felt as if innumerable needles were randomly pricking his skin. Standing under the shower naked, Iksu waited patiently. He had to wait until the swelling subsided and the redness disappeared. This could take an hour or two. Touching was a taboo. If he happened to scratch or rub his skin, it felt as sore as a burn. Even after his skin became normal, he couldn't use a towel. He couldn't rub it over his skin. He held a towel under his navel and went out. He had to stand naked in well-ventilated shade, sometimes for 10 minutes and other times for 20. While he was standing like that under a tree, a marvelous moment would arrive, like a promise fulfilled. Suddenly all the pain disappeared and his body felt refreshed. That was always the case. The whole ordeal lasted two to three hours at most. It almost seems like positive about that fact, you know, that there's the relief coming at that time. But there was suffering. It wasn't just long-term effects of this. During his stint out there, yeah. he knew this was not good for him, maybe. He knew, but he chose to ignore it, oh. as many men do when it comes to medical <laughs> conditions. Yes. And we also learn of how he had to drop the chemical weapons onto the jungles and the horrific sights he saw there, too. Oh, dear. Meanwhile, Yongsop, the younger son, is getting drunk with his friends. They're trying to cheer him up. His girlfriend has dumped him, one, because of his skin condition, oh. and two, because of the news report. Oh, He's become a bit untouchable. Mm. Back at the house, Iksu, Suki, and Yongo are having dinner, and Yongo keeps behaving strangely. He's really trying to rile up his parents, especially his mother. Oh, no. And so they basically, dinner's ruined, they head to bed. But in the middle of the night, Suki wakes from a nightmare to find a husband vomiting blood. Oh, no, in real life. Yeah. Oh, dear. She calls a taxi to take him to the emergency room. They'll have to leave Yongo alone. Uh-huh. She waits for the taxi and she thinks back to the start of their relationship, to the happier times they had compared to now, mm. and then heads to the hospital with him. And this is what Young Ho wanted. What, what do you mean? It's time for him and his father to die. <gasps> oh, no. And that way his mother and brother can live. And now he's alone in the house. He can carry out his plan. <laughs> Download the Arirang Radio app on your device for free. It's Arirang. A-R-I-R-A-N-G Radio. Tingling, tingling. With a start, Yong Ho raised his head. Tingling, tingling. Is this an hallucination or a dream? He opened his eyes wide. Tingling, tingling. It was clearly the light blue telephone near his head that was ringing. He didn't pick it up. The phone kept on ringing. It seemed determined to wake him no matter what. Whether it lingered as the cuckoo's cries, which lasted very long once they started, remained to be seen. Tingling, 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 tingling. Young Ho stopped breathing. Thank you, Father. Today, this morning, 
I'll resuscitate my full humanity. After saying like this as if talking on the phone, Young-ho smiled. It was that smile he felt proud of because it showed his indifference to the universe and his wisdom as a wise man overcoming all worldly concerns. Dingling! He pushed his right hand under the mattress and quickly took it out. And then he pulled his left wrist toward his jaw. Dingling! Suddenly and forcefully he made a fist with his left hand. A few blood vessels bulged out. He was still smiling. Tok, tok, tok. The knife he had used to trim his nails showed its sharp blade. Following a succession of dull noises, Yongo didn't hesitate. He aimed at his wrist with the blade like the fang of death. A shudder shot from his navel through his entire body to the crown of his head. He shifted all the power of his dizzy ecstasy to his right hand. Tingling, tingling, tingling. The phone that had been crying instead of the cuckoo stopped ringing. The white paper folded in half and lying in front of the cassette player was being dyed red, starting with one corner. A short note written to the world by a young man paralyzed from the waist down was being soaked with his own blood. Goodness, I don't like this story so much, Paul. <laughs> it's just showing all this pain and suffering. And, and Yongo, is is he like, do we know if he's angry about all this? Is this some kind of revenge? Is it just him escaping? And it's not just him. He was like saying he thinks it's time for his father to die as well. It's his hope oh. in some ways. His father is suffering. He is suffering. They are useless in his oh. mind. He wants death. Okay. There's no point for him to live in this world. And he thinks there's no point for his father to live in this world. It's better for his mother and his brother to find their own way. Almost not sacrificing themselves, because like you said, he feels like there's no reason to go on, but also making their other family members' lives easier in that way. Did he have anything to do with his father's death? Do we know about no, that? No, no we, don't, we don't know about that, but he just okay. feels like... He, it's almost like he was riling his parents up so that maybe his father would have an attack. Oh. Maybe his father would collapse. I see. The wow. thing is, I don't think he understands how much pain he's going to bring to his family with his death. Of course. It's... And that's the deeply sad thing about it. They're, mm. they're all hurting. They're all suffering. They're each affected in their own way. And they're each deeply, deeply hurt and traumatised. And all because of the war right is a bigger kind of reason behind this and yeah and then more specifically with the chemicals and whatnot i mean he didn't know many soldiers didn't know talking mm. about you know silver granny's brother-in-law yes. there were many men who went out there and didn't know what they were handling mm -hmm. had no idea were just obeying orders were doing what they were told and then they suffered for the rest of their sometimes very short lives yeah and even in, in probably worse cases as well like the second generations and things like this, this is suffered the thing. even more and and this is the thing about war it's a it's a really powerful reminder war is not just about those on the ground mm. if we think of the war in ukraine for example it's not just about those who are trapped in the cities mm -hmm. it's a web of pain that reaches out across the world mm -hmm. and across generations and that's why 
I thought it was important to bring it this week for Memorial Day. Yeah. I know it's a couple of days past, but, sure. but this month as well, we have Yukio, uh, the, the commemoration of the start of the Korean War, the sure. 25th of June is coming up. It's important to remember what has happened so we make sure it never happens again. Yeah, if, if not for any other reason than that one. And you may find it painful and disturbing to listen to, but that must be the lesson, right? So you know how bad it is, so it should definitely not happen again. Uh, this story, it, it seems like, I don't know... It must be told, and there's an interesting fact about this. It was going to be adapted into a film. Yeah, back in 2001, there was talk of Park Chan-wook actually adapting the story into a movie. That wow. didn't come to pass, but what's interesting is 21 years later, the project he's working on right now mm-hmm. is a TV adaptation of another novel linked to the Vietnam War. This is the, the, the bestseller, The Sympathizer by uh, Viet Tan Nguyen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's writing the series now. It's going to co-star Robert Downey Jr. Wow. Um, and I think the good thing is... The Vietnam War, the Korean War, other wars live on in novels, films Mm. and TV series because we cannot forget. I think we're in an interesting position because we knew people who fought in the war. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew people who experienced the Second World War or the Korean War. The younger generations maybe have not had the chance to talk to someone who had to go through those terrible, terrible things. And the only connection they can make is through literature or through movies or Mm -hmm. through TV. So I think it's good that that we're still talking about it. It's 2022. It's a long time ago, but it's only a lifetime away. Uh, Of course. Yeah, maybe that's why history, in fact, repeats itself. Maybe there's an element of that because generations pass away who went through it, who learned the lessons and passed them on. And then there's no direct link. So maybe media can make sure that we don't do that in the future. Hartley also getting in touch saying, well, at the time, its effects on humans weren't really understood. They needed to reduce vegetation to deny the enemy cover and thus save lives at the end of the day. That was the plan anyway. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't intend to have their own forces so badly affected. But what a tragedy. What what a story. Really, really hitting a nerve today, Paul. As ever, thank you so much for your wonderful reading today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks to Asia Publishers for their help with copyright permission for this broadcast. Thank you to E. Dae Hwan for his powerful story and to Jun Sung Hee for her translation. Next week, I've got a brand new book. It only came out in April, the English translation. I only found out about it yesterday. Amazing. I was searching Concerning My Daughter by Kim Hae-jin, translated by the brilliant Jamie Chang. That is going to be next week's book concerning my daughter. Fantastic. Paul, we'll see you next Wednesday. I'll be back then. Goodbye. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Arirang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.